your Property Network magazine, the UK's leading magazine for active property investors, presents your property podcast, giving you access to some of the UK's most successful and influential property investors and developers. They will share with you their successes, failures, strategies and tips. So whether you're an experienced property investor or just starting out, Join us every week to help you plan your path to financial freedom. So let's get started with your host, Nina Hirons. Hello and welcome to Your Property Podcast with me, your host, Nina Hirons. Now, today I'm talking to someone about a fairly new topic in property that is slowly getting people talking. And well, it's kind of a bit of a revolution in the world of property finance. I'm talking about cutting out the banks and letting people join forces to put the money together and share in profits proportionately. Yep, I am talking about crowdfunding. Okay, so when I first spoke to my guest today about doing the interview, as I, as I kind of do with everyone, I kind of want to have a little look about who they are and what they're about. So I had a sneaky little look on his Facebook page and his business website, and I really liked what I saw. It was kind of someone that doesn't take themselves too seriously and as amidst a tough time in property created a really fun, light-hearted brand that I think has really captured the market's imagination. However, you know, you know, don't 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 be illusioned. Um, as it says on their website, beneath the frivolity beats the heart of a company that works exceptionally hard to find excellent property investments and provide investors with a highly profitable service. Nicely said. Now, I don't know how I could introduce this man to do him justice, so I did just take it direct from the company website. So here goes. Fraser started his career as a lawyer in the music industry. He's been investing in property since 1994 and working with other investors since 2003, helping them invest in over £50 million worth of investment property along the way. He's an award-winning entrepreneur, founder of the Armchair Property Investor, which he later sold in 2007 for £2.25 million. And he is the founding director of The House Crowd, the world's very first crowdforming platform for property investment. I'm still going. He is a monthly columnist for My Making Money magazine, has contributed articles to The Investor's Chronicle, Residential Property Investor, This Is Money and The Garden, Guardian, sorry, and is often interviewed viewed by the media about crowd funding and property investment and breathe okay i'll stop talking now and uh, let's introduce the man himself so uh fraser fernhead the team captain and founder of the house crowd welcome hi nina Thank, thanks for that introduction <laughs> you, like forgot, you forgot to mention i'm also a regular blogger on right move now as well but there oh, you sorry, go <laughs> that, we've got that in well done <laughs> right Get, like you know, like I do with everyone, I kind of want to go back to the very beginning. So, uh, as I mentioned, you were a music lawyer. So, how does somebody who was a music lawyer get into property? How on earth does a transition like this happen? Um, well, it's, it's almost like the old father-son thing, really. But my, my grandfather had an estate agency that my father built up into a, a chain of estate agents, and being a typical rebellious teenager, obviously didn't want to follow my father's footsteps. So. Although I always liked property and I always kind of grew up with being around my father, having his business and also investing in property himself, I kind of wanted to make my own way in the world. So I, I wanted to get into the entertainment business. Um, essentially, that was my, my driving factor rather than wanting to be a lawyer, but my um, skills kind of lay in that area. So I ended up um, becoming a music lawyer. It was fine. It was a very kind of glamorous, exciting life in many ways, lots of parties and stuff. But ultimately, the the work wasn't really me. You know, essentially doing recording agreements and management agreements and publishing agreements. You 
negotiating the same points time and time again with different parties. And it just, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a good life and it's a good job, but it wasn't really what I, I wanted to do. And I'd, I'd invested in property when I first moved to London. I'd done up a flat that I, I lived in, rented out for a couple of years while to a, the spare room while I lived in it, and then sold it. And, it, you know, it occurred to me that probably the total amount of time I'd spent on that property I mean, renting it out virtually covered my mortgage, and then selling it made me more money than I'd been earning as a, um, a trainee solicitor in that time um, over that over that two or three year period. And I just thought, well, why am I working very long hours all year round when I can simply do a property and sell it and have a lot of free time? Um, so, you know, nothing's ever that simple. It's, it's, a, it's a big step to leave a job. And it did take me a few years after that. Of, and I, I did a couple of other properties um, during that, that period. But I think it, it came to a point where I realized that I didn't want to carry on being a lawyer. Um, and I, I just thought, well, I, I can fall back on property. So I, I didn't jump into it straight away. I, I set up my own kind of events management company. Um, and that, that went reasonably well and did property on the side. And I just got more involved with doing more properties myself and then helping other people to do it and that developed into a property company that became a lot more profitable than the event management company um, and so I just started focusing on that in around probably 2002, 2003, um, built, that, built that armchair property investor company up and um, then sold it. So it, it, was, it was just... I suppose it was a semi-conscious transition, but it wasn't like part of a master plan or anything. It was just just how things developed. So, so how how did the crowd, house house crowd come about then? Well, house crowd came about because I sold Armchair Property Investor in two thousand and seven, which is you know I continue I sold it to a PLC and I continued working for them, um, and then doing the same sorts of things. And mortgages became progressively more difficult for our investors to access. Um, the mortgage company surveyors were downvaluing everything. It made it hard for people um, to get mortgages. They were requiring large deposits, all those sorts of things. So at the time, I had the idea of, well, why not cut out the banks, group people together so they, they share the upfront costs and they share in the back-end profits. And I was, I was told um, by the compliance officer of the PLC I was working for that that was illegal. It was a collective investment scheme, blah, blah, blah. So I just thought, oh, well, I just parked the idea, essentially. And then I wasn't, I think probably between 2008 and 2010, I didn't really do much property investment. I bought all my properties and I couldn't buy any more because I couldn't get any more mortgages. Um, but I was approached in 2010 by a couple of old clients who wanted me to help them source properties. So I did. Then more people came along and I, they wanted to get involved as well. But it was really only the people who had the cash to buy properties without the need for mortgages that were able to kind of scoop up these properties that would be repossessed and had fallen in value and really, really take advantage of the economic circumstances of the time. So, yeah, that, that was that really. I was limited to working with a small handful of cash-rich investors. Then I came across um, a company called Crowdcube and another one called Funding Circle, who essentially seemed to be doing what I wanted to do with property back in 2007, 2008, by essentially allowing small investors access to investments that they previously wouldn't have been able to do. So um, I thought, well, you know, there must be a way I can do this for property. And 
spent at least six months going around various solicitors, being told time and time again it couldn't be done. I looked at the Financial Services and Market Act myself, um, and then being a lawyer was obviously useful in this, this case because I understand these sorts of things. And I realized there were some exceptions within that that I could use potentially to at least get the company off the ground and enable us to group people together to buy properties. Um, eventually found a kind of medium-sized commercial firm in, in Manchester who'd acted for Bank of Dave. I don't know if you've seen the TV program Bank of Dave, but they seem to have the right sort of attitude. They agreed it could be done provided we marketed ourselves in, in very specific and narrow ways. We only promoted things to 150 people at a time. And so that, that's how the company got started. We were, we were the first company in the world to start doing it. Um, the, you know, even in America, I think the first property crowdfunding company only came into being um, after legislation had been passed to allow it to do so later in 2012. So we were the first company to do it. We were sort of trailblazers and to some extent making it up as we went along. Um, we were very much focused on properties at the low end of the market at that time simply because our, our database of clients um, that was all we could afford to buy. If you're only marketing to 150 people, there's a limit to the value of a property you can buy. But we've evolved very much since then and are now on much bigger projects and doing our own developments. But essentially what ha how it started was solving a problem that the banks weren't providing mortgages, people needed larger deposits, and it was a case of what people wanted to invest in property. This is a way you can do it together. And it was about sharing, you know, investing together and sharing together for mutual benefit. And that's how it started. Amazing. So let's, let's talk about the house crowdfunding model then. And can you kind of talk me through how this works, you know, and what is the selling point to an investor? Well, as I said, we've, we've evolved a lot. Our, our buy-to-let investments were all we did to start with. Low end of the market, high, high yielding, a lot of housing benefit tenants. We now offer three distinct products. One is we offer buy-to-lets um, that are rented to corporations on a, a short rental basis on, on a five-year um, AST, which means the, the yields they produce are very, very consistent and you don't have the problems of damage or maintenance because the corporate tenant's responsible for that. You don't have void periods because they're obliged to pay the rent every uh, month for five years. Um, and and they're, they're pretty high yielding. They gross, the, the gross yields we achieve on those properties are nine nine and a half percent, which you know is 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 pretty good compared to any buy to let investment. Um, given the fact there are no voids and maintenance, you get an exceptionally high yield on those. Um, but we've diversified from our buy to let investments, and we also offer now um, two other products. One of those is peer to peer secured lending, where essentially people who need short term financing are coming to us and we're providing that, that money secured against their property um, and also our own developments. We're, we're developing about eight or nine sites at the moment throughout the Northwest, which is the area we specialize in. Um, and those developments are everything from one or two luxury houses through to 30, 30 houses on a, on a single plot. Um, and we've got many more in the pipeline. And again, investors can lend us the money at a fixed rate of interest, which depends upon the amount they're investing and the stage of the envelop development they're investing in, but is typically 10, 10 to 13%. Um, and I think the appeal of these investments is what well, you've got the security of a buy-to-let investment with a good yield and the potential upside for capital growth. And you've got 
the, the lending products, the debt-based products, the, these sorts of investments weren't available to the small investor a few years, even a few years ago. You know, you had odd individuals who had hundreds of thousands of pounds that could start lending the money out for bridging finance, or you had very high net worth individuals or institutions that used to back bridging companies and get phenomenal returns of 9%, 10% or more. But without the advent of crowdfunding and peer-to-peer -peer lending, they weren't available to small investors to be able to benefit from these rates of interest simply by putting in 500, 1,000 or 5,000 5, pounds or whatever it is they want to put into that investment and get rates of return that are far beyond the bank, um, far beyond what the bank can offer. Now, I know lots of people go, oh, bridging finance is risky and what, what have you. Well, I think that, that depends upon your, your perception. All, all the loans we do are secured by legal charges against the property. And yes, there is a risk the property market could crash and the property might not be worth um, in 12 months what it is worth today and the borrower may default and you may have to sell the property. There is that risk and everyone has to assess that risk and take it on board um, and uh, judge for themselves how likely they think that is to happen. Nothing is without risk in this world, but you know we've we've been doing this for these particular loans for twelve months now. We haven't had any defaults. Um, the, the partners we work with on this have been going five years. They haven't had any defaults um, on it or any bad debt. And so, you know, I, I think with the security there, for me personally, I believe it's a. It's a I have to be careful what I, I say because I. You do have to present about a balanced argument. Obviously, an FCA-regulated company. But my personal opinion is, the I put my money into these. I've got my own funds invested in these bridging loans and development loans, and I, I think the um, the rewards warrant the risk. Is is what I will say. But everyone needs to make their own decision on that. Yeah, of course. You know, I meant you know I mentioned this earlier. You know, I mentioned this idea earlier, and obviously you have as well. But this whole idea of crowdfunding is kind of a really relatively new concept. I am really intrigued how you get your product out there in front of investors and then kind of even when you do, how do you engage them and encourage them to invest? I mean, I know you've just kind of explained that, you know, hopefully the risk is reasonably low, but I would imagine there's people out there who are still very sceptical about the whole thing. Oh, absolutely. And, and rightly so. I mean, when we first started, I said we were the first company to start doing this. So we, we had a huge burden. We had to educate people and then convince them to trust us. Now that, that's got easier as more companies have come into the market and people have seen this as an accepted way of doing things and also the fact we've been trading for four years, we've got a track record, we've, we've raised close to, well, we've raised over 25 million pounds now, we have thousands of registered investors, um, we have a very good track record, we've got loads of good case studies and loads of testimonials but you know we, we have some people who will suddenly get a phone call out of the blue and they say Right, we've been tracking you for the last 12 months or 18 months, like what we see, we've found out everything we need to do, we'd like to invest £200,000. And that, you know, that, that, that's great when that, that happens. Um, and it's, it's so nice, when we started off, I remember the first piece of press we got, we got, it was on thisismoney.co.uk I think, and we had so many vitriolic comments about it afterwards because people are so sceptical of anything new. And the people going on about this is a Ponzi scheme, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was really kind of hurt by all that because it's, you know, we're trying to do something good here. We're trying to give someone an alternative to leave their money festering in a bank, not doing anything. We're trying to provide people with an alternative. We're trying to do a good thing. Um, and to get all these negative comments was really disheartening. 
Um, I don't think we get those. I, I, well, I don't bother about them anymore. You're never going to please please everybody. And you know, four years on, we've pro proven we've got um, a business that is proving very popular and doing very well. I will say, I you know, it's it's something most people still haven't heard of. I was on I went on a diving course on the weekend. There were six people on my on my course, and not one of them had even heard of property crowdfunding and only one of them had even heard of crowdfunding in general so we're very much still at the early adopter stage um, the whole business as a whole is is worth globally I think 2.5 billion at the moment but it's forecast by the people who research and forecast these things that it's going to grow a hundredfold between now and 2020 as more and more people latch on to the fact that this is a credible business and it can provide after you cut out the banks and all the middle middlemen out there, and you, you know, enable to connect lenders and borrowers directly, it can provide much better returns for the investors. Um, and as as that scepticism fades away and it does become more established, that the business is going to grow as, as they forecast a hundredfold in the next few years. So it's and how, how we build up credibility with our investors to answer your question is. It's a case we provide a very personal service. Um, I think the strength in our brand lies in the fact we're not some anonymous corporation. You can put faces to our names, you can call up, you can speak to specific people in the organization. Um, we get lots of lovely comments all the time from our investors about how nice it is to work with us and stuff. And a lot of it's word of mouth. 70% of our business is either re repeat business or referral business. And I, I think that you know that's, that's one of the proudest things have about our business that we have built it up a lot by um, by our existing customers and their referrals. There are many companies out there who just you know who will attract new clients all the time and get what they can out of them and just constantly churn um, their client base and get more and more clients on board because they don't offer that service. Well, we do, and I'm really proud proud of that fact. Yes, that's amazing. I mean, you know, I think you guys should be. And um, I think I think it's amazing that obviously, you know, you're giving the opportunity for people who perhaps, like you said, aren't perhaps, sort of, you know, cash rich. So, you know, and I can appreciate this, this may vary tremendously, but somebody who's interested in crowdfunding, what is the minimum investment, minimum investment somebody can put in to kind of get themselves started? Well, um, there are some sites out there that enable you to do it from up £100, um, which I think is a good thing if you want to in invest £100 a month as a savings scheme, it's good. Um, I'm not sure we want to go that low. At the moment it's 1000 With Our new website is about to launch imminently and we'll be able to um, reduce that minimum investment to £500 um, on, 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 on specific investments soon. So. Five hundred pounds is about the minimum level we, we we will allow people to invest in because there's there's so much admin and what have you involved in the back end and doing things that it, it's it's really not cost effective to take on investments for any less than that. But other other companies do it, but they're just I think they're just trying to attract market share. But our, <laughs> our, our view is you know five hundred pounds should be the the, the minimum amount. Yeah, but that, that's still opening it up to sort of you know. And, you know, a lot more people than perhaps you know, sort of normal property investment would. So I still, you know, I think that's I think that's very reasonable. Um, okay, so let, let's talk a little bit more about the kind of the properties. Okay, so someone who's looking to invest with the house crowd, you know, what what can they expect to have access to? You know, do you follow a particular model? And if you do, kind of what is the thinking behind it? Well, we do occasionally venture out of the northwest, but we do regard the northwest as our area of expertise. Um, 
so there are the three say that all all the kind of buy to let stuff we do is in the northwest when we have and mainly in manchester because we think that's the best area for it and it's it's also where we're based and i there's one lesson i've learned about property investment is you can invest in all sorts of places but you don't know what you don't know and the closer you stick to home and the areas you know i found the more likely those investments are to be successful the further away you go and this applies to some of my personal investments i mean i i got one in birmingham that isn't great I've got one in glasgow that is even worse and i've got some in cyprus that are a complete disaster quite frankly so you can see the geographical um, location here the further you go away the, the less likely you are to fully understand what you're getting into so we very much specialize in the northwest and we consider ourselves you know relatively knowledgeable and I don't really like to say we're experts in the northwest but you know we 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 know about it and it's good so we we do our own buy to lets in the northwest and we do our own developments in the northwest um we've got various ones going on in Cheshire at the moment we've got luxury apartments in Alderley Edge a couple of luxury houses in Presbury we're just signing it just had an offer accepted on some more land to build five luxury houses out near Alder, um Alderley Edge and Holmes Chapel We've got six townhouses being built in um, East Manchester. So, and then we, we we've got some a larger development in sale of twenty properties. So we're doing a variety of things, all in good areas where people are essentially loaning the development company that we control. They're lending us the money. We're paying them a fixed rate of interest, which is kind of ten percent plus per annum, as I said, depending on the amount they invest and the and the kind of stage of the development they invest in if if it's um pre getting planning permission they they can get substantially more interest um because the risks are greater and that we mitigate them as much as possible and then the the peer to peer lending we do um tends to be more, more widespread but tends to be more properties in the southeast um and that's essentially loaning other people like um people who are developing houses down there or or just need a short term loan whilst they sell a property and again there's you know there's full due diligence done on these people and their properties they've got full risk valuations and we only lend up to what we consider to be a fairly conservative um loan to value on the properties is it's not normally more than 70% sometimes if it's they've got a good exit strategy and it's a very good deal we may go up to 75% um loan to value and that that provides a, a in our mind a decent cushion for any potential fall in the market should the borrower default and we have to sell the property and also gives the borrower an exit strategy to enable him to um kind of refinance with another bridging company that that offers a higher loan to value which is one reason why we 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 restrict it to that so th- those are the three main products really the buy to let the peer to peer lending to third parties and lending to our own development companies okay so you know talking about these sort of you know, obviously these projects you obviously source an awful lot of them um, properties are these properties then retained at the end of these projects well the the buy to let the buy to lets are investors get to vote on when those are sold um but you know buy, buy to let investment really is a, is a long term investment people who you shouldn't be investing in buy to lets if you if you want to get your money out in 12 months two years it's you you got to factor in all the cost of purchase the stamp duty cost legal cost our fees because we we do a lot of work in doing this um 
and you know, really, you have to be in it. It's a long-term investment. You get a reliable, steady income, and then at some point in the future, you can benefit from any uplifting capital growth. And we always stress that despite what many companies say, capital growth is speculative. It's totally out of your control, and if it happens, it's a bonus. But we focus on investments that put the cash flow investments that put money in your pocket and deliver predictable, consistent returns. Because especially in a post-Brexit world where everyone's very uncertain what's going to happen, we, we figure particularly that you know what people want is certainty. And our investments do provide that. They, you know what you're going to be getting. You know, you're getting a fixed rate of interest for six months, nine months, 12 months, whatever it is. You're getting an assured rental for three years, five years, however long you hold the property for. Um, so it's, that's what we're trying to provide, predictable, consistent returns for people and enabling them to get much better rates of return than have previously been available to small investors. Cool, okay. Um, you know, we're, we're sort of talking about all these properties um, and obviously these properties need to be sourced. Um, and, you know, I know you know, I'm sure lots of people know that this isn't an easy task. So how does this side of the business get managed internally then? Um, we have... Um, two full-time people in the business um, sourcing things, one, one um, sourcing properties, one part-time person who assists with that. And then obviously we have lots of contacts with um, auctioneers, estate agents, um, and other types of, of contacts, um, you know, uh, called liquidators and people like that, asset managers who can give us access to these properties. There's, there's, there's no shortage. I mean, it's taken us a long time, don't and get me wrong, but you have to build up credibility with these people. You have to deliver on what you say. So we constantly push ourselves, and we've we've gone from our first property we bought was I think just under forty thousand pounds, and you know the, the the most expensive one we've been involved with has been over a million. And the developments we're doing now have got gross development values of um, four or five million in the case of the, the larger ones. So. As with any business, you start small and you, you, you build up. So we've built up contacts and um, it's I would, it's not easy. You, you have to sift through a lot of properties you're offered to get to the ones you think are, are worthwhile to you know check out on the due diligence and everything's as it said it should be. We've had to pull out of a few quite large deals um, because basically the sellers lied to us. And they were only, these things were only uncovered well, during the due diligence process or the legal process, you know, kind of covering up structural defects or, or basically covering up defects in, on title that they knew about and hoping we wouldn't spot. So you, ha you have to be very, very careful. Yeah, of course. I, you know, I mean, I'm thinking about the sourcing, but I mean, my, I don't think I can even start to get my head around kind of the financial side of the business. I mean, <laughs> you know, whew, you must have money sort of coming in, coming out. I mean, to me, that is some serious manpower involved. So how on earth is that managed? I mean, is that just like one massive headache? Um, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. That's, that's, luckily, we can employ people to, you know, it's... It's always been, it's been my business partner and um, Clarissa, my wife, who works in the company as well, she, they, they were responsible for that side of business when it started off and it's small, but we've, we've now got um, three people in the finance department plus an outside accountant um, who works very closely with us. To do that, um, the new website that we are building will help automate that process enormously because it, it is getting un unwieldy. We have over 160 properties we're 
we're, we're looking after now. And yeah, paying out dividends on those and collecting rent and stuff is very, very time intensive and expensive. So um, it's handled by the finance department who do a very good job. And, you know, with, with the, the, the arrival of this new website, it will hopefully become a lot easier. <laughs> Lovely. So, you know, not, not just the kind of financial side of it, but, let, you know, let's go back to properties, you know, any property isn't always plain sailing, isn't there? Little areas of risk can pop up, things can happen, things can go wrong. So again, kind of how is this managed? Well, um, in the purchase process, it's, it's a lot of due diligence and we've been, I said we've almost been stung a few times and we have got badly stung once um, on a very large project which we've managed to extricate um, or managed to solve the problem and it's been a very long messy process um, and we were adamant our investors weren't going to lose out so we, we had many many sleepless nights for probably five or six months on this project um, to make sure investors didn't lose money and we've, we've managed to achieve that though it's, it's still an ongoing process. Um, when you buy properties this is one reason I guess we're moving towards doing um, developments and debt-based investments and also on the buy-to-let side, the assured rentals, because the management side of a large property portfolio, especially when you're dealing with a lot of LHA tenants on benefits or people at the lower end of the market, they, you know, I don't want to sound incredibly right-wing and stuff about this, but I came into this thinking, you know, my, my private tenants are all kind of young professionals in kind of nice flats, but this is a different market we moved into, I said by necessity, because we, we, we couldn't raise enough money to buy a higher level property at the time. So we've got a portfolio of relatively low value properties, and I always thought if you treat people with respect, they'll treat you and your property with respect, and I'm sorry to say that's just not proven to be the case. Um, I suppose it's exasperated by the fact that we have so many properties and you know maybe 70 or 80% of them go fine, but that 20% is a significant number of, of problems you have with people just treating the place badly, not paying rent, just purposely smashing the place up, or you know, starting drug factories, whatever they do. It's very problematical. It's hard work and um, you know, some, you just have to manage it as closely as you can. We we had to we've had to sack several of the the actual letting and managing agents who dealt with the properties because we didn't feel they were doing a good enough job. Um, we've appointed new ones. We monitor them very closely. Um, we're in contact with them on a daily basis. They've had to employ more 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 staff to look after our properties because they're, they're you know, virtually double the size of their business. Um, and it's it's. It's just knowing how to deal with things and dealing with the problems that arise, and they inevitably do arise, and there's lots of them. But as someone once said, once, once you've solved problem number one, problem number two gets a promotion. So you just have to accept the fact there are always problems and deal with them as best as you can. Yeah, no, you know, just despite that, you know, you obviously run an incredibly tight ship. And, you know, like I said, you only introduced this whole concept to the market four years ago. So, you know, looking at what you've achieved is absolutely incredible. So I'm kind of intrigued now, kind of what's, what's next? What's next for the house crowd? Crowd house, sorry. <laughs> no, Woo! house crowd. Oh, it's house crowd. I did get it right. There's <laughs> <laughs> somebody else. We've had so many people copy what we do. It's ridiculous. But anyway, um, 
what's next for us? Well, we're very much focused on developing. We want to move to larger and larger developments. Um, I don't really want to say too much about our plans for the very reason that we have certain competitors who seem to just, the whole business model involves copying what we do. Um, <laughs> and every new innovation we come up with, three or four months later, they'll do the same thing. So I don't really want to say, but we've, we've got um, very big plans. We intend to um, grow very, very quickly. I think our, our, our revenue is 250% greater this year than it was last year. So we're already growing very quickly and I expect that to multiply over the course of the next 12 months as we bring on more developments, increase the, the lending side of our business and also um, the type of properties we're buying on the on the uh, buy-to-let side. And I, I guess we'll inevitably end up um, developing to let as well, building to let. Um, but yeah, that's you know that that's it really. Just increasing increasing what we're doing in a, a much greater way. The new the new website, as I said, will help all, automate all our processes so we can scale up a lot quicker without um, a consequential administrative burden. Um, and that's that's the way it's going. With you know potentially floating the company at some point in a couple of years. I'm uh, definitely keeping a close eye on and I look forward to talking to um, Finally, obviously, if anyone's interested in working with you, um, uh, how do they get in touch? What's the best What's the best way to do that? Um, just Just email us. We we keep uh, we we are recruiting um, two new people at the moment, um, and we are you know we're, we're we're constantly recruiting. We've gone from Sahail, my partner and I and Clarissa just working from our homes four years ago to having a 3,000 square foot office with, you know, 15 or so people working in it. Um, so we're, we're constantly recruiting, just get in touch via the website, basically. And um, if someone wants to send their CV in on spec, thinks they've got something they can offer us. Um, but by all means, we're open to discussions with, with quality people. And, that's just, and that is just uh, www.thehousecrowd.com, is that right? That's right, yeah. And the uh, yes. contact form on there or e emails on there, I think it's info. It's either info at thehousecrowd.com or inquiries at thehousecrowd.com. I can never remember. <laughs> Fab. Uh, Do you know what? This whole concept is pretty revolutionary. And, you know, kind of from the numbers you're talking about, it's definitely happening kind of right here, right now. And investors are getting involved on a really large scale. So I guess for me and kind of everyone else, it's a case of uh, watching this space. Thank you again for taking the time to talk to me. And obviously, as you grow, perhaps we can talk again soon and uh, keep everyone up to date with what you guys are up to. All right, well, lovely talking to you, Nina. Thanks very much. And you. And to everyone else, uh, until next week, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Your Property Podcast. If you're looking to further your knowledge in property, why not download our free Beginner's Guide to Property Investing at www.yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash begin. It contains everything from how to choose the property strategy that's right for you through to how to raise funds when starting with none and how to eliminate risk and maximize profits. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and never miss an episode by subscribing to our weekly podcast. Until next week.